Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey, hey, hey. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm Paradox, and this is Jimmy. And I'm Josh. Welcome. If you listen for any length of time, you know that that little comedy routine got our names exactly backwards. Because I just don't want people <laughs> to confuse the voice of wisdom mm. with the voice of youthful ignorance. But I said, I'm Paradox, and this is Jimmy, meaning the show is called Jimmy. And then you yes, said you're Josh. It's the Jimmy Show. That is, I think, an apt name change. So Paradox and Josh are the hosts of The Jimmy Show. Yes. Make it so. Yep. Something to throw in here real quick. Had a really good time Saturday speaking at Hill Country Bible Church. Large group of parents and come to find out non-parents that were there. I was there speaking about, well, the name of what it is, is Children and Pornography, A Crisis. And all of our certified sexual addiction therapists at the Timothy Center are kind of fanning out in the central Texas area speaking on this topic. So should there be anyone listening that would like one of us to come, just uh, holla. Not me. No, you don't do it. Uh, Speaking makes me nervous. Which is so weird because you're relatively good at it. So I like only say yes to like my church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the when we podca- do paradox events, podcast, I'll obviously do. Yes, um, but locally, I don't think people know that the paradox are for hire. I, that's we something are, I don't want them to. We know. are hired voices. But yeah, so anyway, I wanted to throw that out there in case there is, because that's something that we're really pushing right now. And again, they've probably heard it since we pushed it on here before. In 2018, 82% of all young men under 30 looking at porn weekly. And as of 2019, the average age of first exposure is now between 8 and 11. So yeah, you can see why it's sort of a high priority issue. Anytime you talk about porn, a little part in me dies. Look at that segue. Oh, I like that. Speaking of dying, today we're talking about death. More specifically grief. How to handle when a loved one dies. And we thought it was apropos since our family just went through this sort of, and it happens in every family, but it's something that we really don't think about all that much. We certainly don't talk about it all that much, but it is something that, uh, again, is a common occurrence for all things. It's just going to happen for everybody. And so we thought since we had just kind of come out of that really tumultuous Well, and then period, in our culture just had Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the seven others, Six, five others. Like that. So when I was at KERC Curse Radio, the Jimmy Myers Roadshow, bringing home from work in Eastland County, early on a Saturday morning, I am live. Beth came with me. She's sitting in the studio. Similar to and now. And we go live. We're going live to Brian Reynolds. And so this is Brian, and he's just on a payphone at the, the county barn or wherever this was being held. And Brian said, I'm sitting here, and he says, I'm here with uh, junior livestock show queen Debbie Hitt, which was Beth's best friend at the time. And so Beth, who's and if anyone knows, when you're in a radio studio and the mic is on, everything goes off. And there's no sound, nothing will, no phone will ring. It's an open mic for this room. And so she's sitting there, and she goes, Debbie? 
Debbie, is that you? And Debbie's sitting there being interviewed by Brian goes, Beth, is that you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't know you were. Oh, yeah. It was right. And so they just start having this conversation. So, uh, how were the five listeners offended? Well, four. <laughs> I don't want to, uh, you know, blow myself up in, mm-hmm. in importance. There was Both four. your parents. So we w- recently went through the passing of Beth's dad, which was Papa, a.k.a. <clears throat> Pops, a.k.a. Poops. At the age of 90. So there's a couple of things about when a family deals with the death of a patriarch. You know, so we're not talking about necessarily here, but, you know, the death of a friend or whatever. I think death is going to be, you know, it's going to be similar. But here you've got somebody that the grandchildren know and know they're old. But really, with six years old being the oldest of the seven grandchildren, none of them really have a real experience with with someone passing. Therefore, there's two things going on here when you have the death of an, an aging parent slash grandparent. And one of them is the, the abject sorrow that the child of the deceased has at the passing of their parent, a parent that has been in their life for their entire life. That's a struggle, even though you know it's coming, even though you absolutely know it's coming. And in, and in Papa's case, it was hospice, and you knew it was coming. And yet the event itself is still very traumatic. You add to that, especially in Beth's case, you know, she had like a decade of taking care of aging, dying parents from doctor's appointments and medicines. And rehab, nursing. Rehab and, and skilled lawyers and... It was just in medications and, and dealing with insurance company. It was a full-time job for a decade. Exhausting. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. We're going to talk more about but But that whole idea of I'm so exhausted, especially this last round with her dad, where it was hospital and then rehab and then skilled nursing and then hospice. And then it was just grueling. And there's an aspect of it of relief. When they pass, especially when you have someone that so wanted to pass. We always joke, he was the most disappointed that he was still alive. And so there's that aspect of, oh my gosh, I feel a sense of relief. And yet, oh, I feel horrible for feeling a sense. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be feeling a sense of relief. And, and for caregivers and for caregiver fatigue, absolutely, mm-hmm. that is an appropriate, normal feeling to have. Even from a biblical sense, if you know he closed his eyes here and he opened them in glory, that is something to be, you know, I'm glad he's not suffering. I'm glad this whole thing is over with, and he is now at peace and in paradise. That's one of the things about grief that I tell my folks that come in for that to counseling is really the first rule for me, at least, in grief work is you have to give yourself grace because you're going to feel so many different things, Mm -hmm. and some of the things you're going to feel are inappropriate, and then there's going to be guilt and if you give yourself grace and take a deep breath and allow whatever emotion comes in to come in, right. they actually and not judge it. Yes, they actually dissipate mm-hmm. quicker. It's when we stress about and we think about it that it really builds. And so giving yourself grace to feel whatever it is you feel around the death of a loved one, I think, is important. Now then, when you're talking about him for most of our audience that is that's younger than would have young kids, you know, how do you deal with that? Do you take him to the viewing? Do you tell them that he's he's dead and pushing up daisies? I mean, what do you? How far do you go? What can they understand? What can they not understand? My son, four, so he's in the middle. 
has seen, I think he's buried just two of his grandparents. Mm -hmm. We always take them up to the casket. So he has seen um, now two uh, deceased people in a casket, and he thought that their legs were sawed off. Because you couldn't see them. Yes. And so when we were, so he, in his, and we didn't know this, in his mind, the legs were, so you saw the body. And so when we were talking about Papa and how the funeral was going to be somewhere else, and we were like, his body is going to be taken to Glen Rose. And he was like, well, what about his head? Where's his head going to be? So you just pictured this disassembled body. You said the body. (laughs) His legs are staying, his brain, I don't know where his head is, but his body will be in Glen Rose. All right, now I'm. Yeah, well, and I think it was at the viewing where, you know, it was Jay who said, yeah, I don't want to see him in a box. <laughs> so you have that. Y'all's approach has been, this is death, and here's a body that's been embalmed. And I remember at the graveside, you you had Jay, and you're just going, well, I know you can't see it because there's this, like, green carpet, but there's a hole right there, and then he's going to be lowered. So you were walking him through everything there was to walk through. Now, there is a, a another approach to this, which is I want them to remember Papa smiling and waving. So I'm not going to take them up to see him in the throes of death, you know, as he's gasping his final. By the way, that, box. that death rattle is terrible. The gurgling mm-hmm. to breathe. But I say all that to say. There's another, you know, and I'm not saying right, wrong, or indifferent. Just another way of looking at it is I don't want to yeah. expose you know, my smaller children to this process. Which is neither here nor there. Yeah. But just at the end, and to your point, doesn't matter. Yeah. You're not scarring them either way. Uh, it's just a the different only, way of looking at it. The only wrong thing, quote unquote, and we're not talking morally, we're more talking emotionally here. The only wrong way to go about it is to avoid it altogether. Yes. And that's when people get into trouble. Yes. There's no really one right way to grieve. Uh, but there is one wrong way, and that's to avoid it. Yes. Um, and so if you are a parent of a young child and there's a death in the family, whether they go to the casket or not, whether they go see them on their deathbed or not, it's it, whether as long as you're about talking where about it is. and as long as you attend the funeral mm-hmm. uh, and not just uh, avoid it completely. Yeah. You, we always say that the parent sets the emotional tone of the home. Therefore... We don't want to be too angry. We don't want to show that we're nervous that the country is going to heck in a handbasket. We don't, you know, so we're, we're setting the emotional tone. And then you get to a, something like a funeral of a loved one where you're crying, you know, you are showing intense emotions and that's okay. Our children need to see that you're experiencing great sadness. We had two of the smaller ones kind of sitting with us and both of them were sort of crying because they just saw everyone else crying. They should have been on the third row. They weren't crying. With me. I had a two and a four-year-old boy in my lap. They weren't crying? I had zero grieving. They were all (laughs) over the place. I thought I was going to have to walk out of my own grandfather's funeral because of how crazy they were. Both those up here with us were, were, were girls, which again shows a little more of the emotional intuitiveness, even in small children. But, you know, they would just say, oh, I miss Pop Pop. Not that they grasp everything that there was to grasp, but, you know, everyone was sad. There was a giant picture of Pop Pop up there, and they picked up on this is a sad thing, and it is surrounding Pop Pop, and he is not here. To your point, 
to shelter them, to not take them, to <clears throat> I don't want to cry in front of the kid. That's a that's a re, to your point. There is no real wrong except that you know that may be the wrong way to handle it. Just to absolutely deny them this glimpse into life, and yeah. that this is not something to be avoided. In 21st century America, we're very much separated from death. Mm-hmm. We don't go out into the back 40 anymore, kill the hog, skin it, flay it, and then throw the bacon on. Everything's handed to us. Obviously, that's how we get our meat, but we don't actually see it. And modern medicine is delaying death. And I know a lot of our listeners have experienced some intense death and loss. Mm. And so uh, this obviously doesn't apply to everybody. But for the most part in our culture, we're very separated from the idea of death. And it's something that we have to deal with and accept. And we were, we were talking, you know, there was a, a time 100 years ago. And in the grand scheme of things, that's nothing. Where, you know, someone would die and they're just put up on the dining room table. At the house, and everyone comes, and they have the few. I mean, it's it's just right there. <clears throat> when there was higher infant mortality, so there was even losses yeah. of siblings, and we just don't experience mm-hmm. that much anymore. Death was much, much more a part of life. And to your point, it's very much more insular today, where we don't want to think about it, touch it, and that is a to a disservice <clears throat> of our children. This this thing of this thing dies, and you eat it. We sing about the circle of life, and Pumbaa and everything, but they don't see it. They don't see it in their lives until there's the death of a friend or a loved one, and then that's in some way sort of antiseptic. That's really sort of to our disservice because, again, if we ignore death, it in some way cheapens life and the way we live that. So this is obviously a post-fall thing. We are intended to live forever, but death is actually God showing his grace to us. He sins, so after the fall, he sends uh, Adam and Eve out of the garden so they wouldn't live together and so they wouldn't be cursed forever. So it's an interesting thing in that it's something that is terribly sad, but in a lot of ways to the deceased is such a gift. Death is God showing his grace to us so that we wouldn't live forever under this curse, Mm -hmm. that we could experience freedom. Yeah, and for our children to see how this fits into their faith, that our, our loved one, whoever it is, whether it's a, a friend of theirs who dies in a car crash or, uh, you know, a grandparent that everyone was expecting to die, uh, it, you know, whatever, that there is grace in that and there is joy in that. Uh, not happiness, but there is joy in that. If we believe what we say we believe, then they're in this, this amazingly magical, wonderful, beautiful place and we rejoice in that. We talked about the passing of an elderly person. We've talked about, generally speaking, death and grieving. Um, but I do know that, and we know that a lot of our listeners have experienced untimely deaths, yes. which is a different conversation. That sort of tragedy is a little different conversation. I think same rules apply, right? Like giving yourself grace and, you know, the only wrong way is to not deal with it. Mm-hmm. But when you experience an untimely death, For me, when I work with folks, they have to get and they have to feel all these negative things and walk through that forest to get to the other side. Grief, specifically an untimely death, looks like learning to not be defined by the loss of that person for the rest of your life, 
but flipping it and being thankful for the time you had with them. Absolutely. So if my soon-to-be-a-week seven-year-old daughter passes, I could be defined by that tragedy for the rest of my life and live in the what could have been. But I would need to work towards grieving and flipping it and being thankful for the seven years I did have. There's people that would give their left arm for a biological child for five days. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's people that would kill to be able to be married and potentially foster and adopt a child and have a child at all. And so I got seven years, and this is, it does not happen overnight, and it doesn't happen over weeks or even months, but the the grieving process specifically for a death that is unexpected looks like you stopping defining yourself by the tragedy and flipping it and being thankful for the time that you did have. And boy, is that easier said than done. And boy, is that a process. 100%. But that is where, you know, it's been said that faith isn't faith until it's all you have. When something like that, some unthinkable, unimaginable tragedy like that happens, you're right. It's so easy to fall into the thinking pattern you just described, but to sit back and just say, okay, all this Sunday school, all these, you know, this whole faith I've been claiming since I was a child Scripture, the the unshakable, uh, inerrant, everlasting Word of God says to trust in Him with all your heart and not to lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him and He is going to straighten this out and He's going to make His path visible and clear and His purposes clear. That's the goal. Sort of like Jesus saying, be perfect even as my Heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, Okay. Uh, that's, but that's our goal, uh, is to shoot for that type yes. of faith-based yes. understanding. Yes, and that doesn't, again, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. It doesn't take days, weeks, or months. It takes years to get there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's unachievable in this life, mm-hmm. and that's part of going back to giving yourself grace. For more information about this episode or anything previous, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find our socials there, and we appreciate you listening and we look forward to next week paradox is produced by billy lee myers jr and researched by dr jimmy and dr josh myers for more information about our paradox evangelist julie lyles car go to julielylescar.com if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show go to paradoxpodcast.com